Hello, and welcome to Eyes on Success, a weekly program of information on the ever-changing world of accessibility. Now here are the hosts of this program, Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy. Hello, I'm Nancy. And I'm Pete. Last week, we talked about the services offered by the National Library Service through a series of regional libraries. These are free audio, braille, and large print materials provided to people with difficulties reading. And this week, we'll be taking a tour of the Colorado Talking Book Library to see what they actually do. Join us as Debbie McLeod, director of the Colorado Talking Book Library, takes us on a tour of her facility and explains to us how things really work there. Normally, at this point, we would have a tip of the week, but this week, instead, we have a fun fact from Debbie McLeod. One of the things that I wanted to mention about the older technologies is uh, fun fact, the 33 RPM record was developed for this program first and then was moved into the commercial market. So that's pretty cool. Oh, that is interesting. Right? That's funny because I used yeah. to, I thought they used to do like the eight and a third RPM records for the audiobooks from the National Library Service. Well, the NLS had several different versions of speeds over time. Okay. So since 1931, they've had lots of different speeds. Interesting. Um, but that was just one piece of trivia I had picked up yeah. at one point. That's so. great. Anyway. So there's a fun fact you can use to amaze your friend at parties. Just one of the handful of situations where the audio reading material for people with print disabilities actually was ahead of the curve. Let's start with a quick reintroduction of Debbie from last week. And if you want to hear more about her, you can listen to last week's episode, which was number 1749. I'm Debbie McLeod. I'm the director of the Colorado Talking Book Library. I've been here for 13 and a half years and um, have had a great time ever since I came. And where were you before? I had come from Hewlett-Packard and spent 15 years in uh, corporate library work. You are listening to Eyes on Success. Success, 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 success. This week's focus topic is a tour of the Colorado Talking Book Library's facilities in which we'll learn about how they manage many facets of their operation. So now we're going to take a tour of the CTBL facilities, Colorado Talking Book Library, and hand it over to Debbie here. What are we seeing? All right. So we're walking down the hall here, and on one side of the hall, we have our volunteer recognition wall. We have a robust volunteer program. About 200 uh, volunteers come into the building and help us with all kinds of jobs during the month, and we like to honor them. So we have plaques on the wall with all their names, and uh, that's how we honor them um, on that side of the wall. Also on this board is our statistics. I keep statistics, and I put them up so that all of our staff and visitors and volunteers can see 
our workloads and the kind of work that we're doing and uh, if they're into statistics. And it's just nice for full disclosure, you know, so that anybody can see what we're up to <laughs> at any given time. So that's what's here. Cool. Well, great. Let's see where these volunteers and staff actually do their work. Our next stop is what we call the duplication room. This is a space where we uh, duplicate additional copies of books that are very popular and we didn't bring in enough copies, or we do patron-centric cartridges. So we'll do a personal cartridge for a patron who's just whipping through tons and tons of books, and um, it's hard to keep them in enough books. Or there are books up on BARD, and we have patrons who uh, don't have access to BARD, so we will make the copies for them. So there's all different kinds of reasons why. Also, we're required by NLS to put out a newsletter for our patrons at least three times a year. And we do it three times a year. Some states are doing it four times a year. But we provide this newsletter in large print, braille, and audio. And so in this room, we duplicate our audio version, and we also have braille embosser in this room to create a braille version of our newsletter. And we're lucky it's not running. Yes, because it's very, very noisy. So um, so that's what goes on in this room. Uh, once we've made copies of the audio books or magazines onto cartridges, then we have to put them in a mail container. We also have to label both the container and the cartridge so people would know what they are. So we have uh, large print and braille printers in this room as well. And how many patrons are you servicing here in Colorado? We have, on average, 7,000. But we think that there's about 500,000 Colorado residents who qualify for service. So it's a drop in the bucket, and we always try and get the word out so that we'll get more patrons. So we've just gotten to the recording studio, and there's actually somebody narrating something and somebody monitoring it. Can you describe this? Yes, in our studio, we have three recording booths, and each booth has a glass window in it. So when the narrator is sitting in the booth, uh, they would be able to see the monitor who is sitting on the other side of the glass outside. They both have headphones on and can hear each other speaking into the particular microphones. There is a computer on the outside that has recording software on it and you can see the sort of the voice print and it looks like if you've ever seen um, a visual of an earthquake needle having run uh, lots of black ink on a piece of paper during the shaking. That's what a voice print kind of looks like. And so um, they are doing the recording, and then if there's a mistake that's been made, the monitor can stop, which is what they're doing now, and uh, actually make the correction on the spot. This is in the digital age, it's very easy to do these kinds of corrections where it was really difficult in reel-to-reel days. Back when you needed to literally cut and tape in order to splice in a correction. Right. Literal. Yes. So 
Tuesday afternoons actually are pretty busy in the studio, so usually uh, all three booths are operating, and it's kind of fun. Cool. Oh, we're entering something labeled as repair room. Yes. So this is what's known as our uh, pioneer room, and it's where our machine repair groups uh, come in. Fifty Over 50 years ago, NLS partnered with the Telephone Pioneers. The telephone company encouraged their retirees to volunteer and repair the cassette machines. And back in the day... You needed mechanical ability to work in the telephone company, which is exactly the same kind of skill set needed to repair the cassette machines. And so uh, there were lots of repair groups all around the country repairing those cassette machines. We have two groups, a Wednesday group and a Thursday group, who have been repairing machines here for over 25 years. And as the digital machines came into existence in 2009, the groups have learned how to repair and uh, fix the problems that you get in a digital machine, which has no moving parts, is not mechanical at all, and so is much more software-based. So it was same with the telephones. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so a lot of the guys, it's mostly guys, at least here in Colorado, it's all guys, uh, they were learning all new skills, and many of them were in their 80s. So old dogs can learn new tricks. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's what goes on in this room. Wow. This is dumpster after dumpster of books in mailing containers. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure it's dumpster, but they're like <laughs> mail, big giant mail carts. This is our dock area, and we process 3,000 pieces of mail coming in and coming out. So that's basically 3,000 mailing containers and or machines, Braille, large print books, things like that. I, it's kind of uh, enlightening to actually get a sense of the scale of the mail, it's just something completely different than the mail you get in your house. Except at Christmas when you get all those catalogs. <laughs> That's kind of what this feels like, right? <laughs> Is any of this process automated? I know there's barcodes on the edge of each container. The check-in process is much quicker because you can check in through barcodes. So that part is, but it's still not very automated. You have to physically handle a lot of this. Now, public libraries have been able to move to RFID and have automated check-in of their books and sorting and things like that, but they still have to have a person put them on the shelf. And so we have to have a person put them on the shelf, but we still have a lot of manual process ahead of that because most of the talking book libraries have limited resources and RFID systems are very expensive. So so do you keep copies of the books on all the cartridges or do you re-record some of the cartridges to send them out? We have physical copies for all of the books that NLS produces and has produced since 2010. Uh, we have duplication on demand, so a lot of the locally recorded books are not produced on a cartridge until somebody wants it. 
And uh, so there's a lot of physical copies. Coming down the line is a possible change in how we do this. And so we would simply have cartridges that would um, be duplicated every morning for the patrons who need books sent out that particular day. And then the cartridges that would come in later in the afternoon would go into the stack and be wiped and then recopied for the next day. So you would not have a warehouse of books uh, on cartridge. Um, that's coming down the line probably five to seven years from now. At your typical public print library, they have so many copies of each book, and oftentimes it's only one or maybe two. And so if it's a popular book, people who want to borrow that book and read it have to wait their turn. Mm-hmm. My impression is that with the NLS service, that's not necessary, that anybody who wants it can get it without having to wait. That's pretty much true. So there is uh, the Chafee Amendment to the Copyright Law that allows NLS and its network libraries to record books without paying royalties and getting publisher permission. It also allows us to duplicate as many copies as we need for our patrons. And that actually is, um, I call it a privilege, and that is why we have to have digital rights management on our audio files so that they will not be copied and get into the general public and ruin the commercial market. Mm -hmm. So that's the trade-off for the privilege of having the Chafee Amendment. So that's one of the nice things about this program. That's one of the things I'm jealous about. I download my books from the public library in either EPUB or audio format. And just this morning, I was looking at my record on the public library. I am number 78 in line for a book. I may never see this thing. Right. That is one of the dilemmas in the public library space and one of the advantages of the NLS space. And so that's one of the nice things for our patrons. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Lots and lots of books. (laughs) Lots of books. This is our... DVD descriptive video collection, and so we've got lots of movies and some TV shows that are available on descriptive video, so that's a nice addition for our patrons. So people can borrow those just as they borrow books? Yes. Oh. So what's the typical lending period, or is that however long you want to keep it? Well, we send books out, and the checkout period is a month. But we send overdue reminders after you've had the book three additional months. So you've had a book for four months, and we send a reminder (laughs) that says maybe you want to send the book back. One of the things that some people are worried about is um, fines and what if the machine breaks? Will they be charged for it? And, in fact, no, they won't. Uh, be charged for it, and by federal law, we are not allowed to collect fines. This is property of the U.S. government, so we can't collect money um, in relation to that. So if you break a machine and something happened, then it just gets marked as lost, and we send you another one. So um, if for some reason it happens over and over and over again, well, then an account will get suspended. But um, in general, that doesn't happen, you know. So if you're not allowed to collect money, who pays for the service? 
It's your federal and state tax dollars at work. So you've been paying federal tax and you've been paying state tax. And so this goes into running state government, federal government, and that's what runs most of these libraries. We also have a Friends organization. Uh, I haven't talked about that, but um, the Friends of CTBO provides 23% of our budget. So they pay for the studio. They pay for a recognition brunch for our volunteers. They pay for mail containers and cartridges for us to make local copies. There are those kinds of things uh, that get paid for out of that kind of a budget pool. NLS provides us with the books, catalogs, and materials, playback machines, and the physical books, but they don't give us any money. The state provides the building, the staff, and the money to run the program. So NLS sends us, if we, with Westerns and mysteries and romance, those are popular categories. So we sign up and we get 25 copies of a book. Mm -hmm. And it didn't cost us anything to get those books. So therefore, we can't charge overdue fines if they don't come back on time or if they don't come back at all. Mm -hmm. And if we need to make another copy, we can do that. We have to use material that we purchase locally to make that copy, but we still can make the copy Mm -hmm. um, to replace it if it's still really popular. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you've got a book, unless it's kind of a classic, it has a peak period where everybody wants to read it. And then, you know, after time, you don't need the 25 copies. 10 might suffice. Mm -hmm. So there's a recall process. So we send um, books that aren't circulating anymore back to NLS, and then they reuse Mm -hmm. the cartridge Uh, and the mail container. mm -hmm. So this format actually is a little more um, cost-effective because you can reuse these materials much better than you could in the cassette days. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. that's pretty good. Yes, I remember Pete grumbling whenever he was listening to a cassette book and the tape would break. Uh, yes, <laughs> that was terrible, period. So <laughs> yeah. anyway. More often, he'd be listening to a cassette book and he would fall asleep and I would continue to hear the tape going. <laughs> right, <laughs> yes. Those were the days. Okay, what room are we entering now? So we're now in the stacks area, and uh, we have a lot of the digital books all on the shelves, and we still have some uh, cassette books that we are beginning to send back. As of January, we won't be circulating any more cassette books. Everything that's in the cassette collection has been converted to digital and is up on BARD, so that if any patron wants to read those older books, we would be able to make copies in the digital format. So that's good. We also have our Braille collection, which is uh, takes up a lot of space. Braille has multiple volumes per title, and um, ultimately that is going to be going digital too. Probably two to three years from now, Braille readers will be issued a portable Braille display, and they will get their Braille books in download form and can read them on their refreshable Braille display. And so NLS will be providing the piece of equipment on loan as they do the player. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 
those aren't cheap. That's an expensive piece of equipment. They are very expensive traditionally, but there is now a relatively low-cost Braille display. It's the Orbit reader? Yes, Mm -hmm. the Orbit. Mm -hmm. There is currently a pilot program being um, done with Perkins in Boston to see how this will work and what needs to be developed and what the process is and things like that. It's a learning period. But the Braille, uh, this Orbit reader, it may be this one. It may be a different one. Um, they'll have to put it out for bid. Mm-hmm. But the costs have come down that put it in the same category as approximately the cost for the um, audio player. Fantastic. Yeah, so it's going to be very exciting. So our last stop is um, our, what we call DAP, which is our digital audio processing. This is where all the post-production happens for our locally recorded books. And there's just lots of digital equipment, lots of computers in here. <laughs> so one of the things with digital is you get lots of uh, computers and headphones and other kinds of and equipment. wires. <laughs> and wires, lots and lots of wires. That's different. We have also been in a process of converting our analog recordings over to digital. We don't have too many left to do. Mm-hmm. Some of our popular books that were the analog quality wasn't good, we just re-recorded them. But, and some of them just weren't good, so we've had to not convert them. But yeah. most of them are available to be converted, so yeah, which as is good. good. As good as the tape was back then, you can always tell these days when something came from a tape recording as opposed right. to a digital recording. Yeah, there are those hisses and pops, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's something about it. It sounds a little muddy, not quite as crisp. So, I think the last stop. Now for this week's final item, information on how you can get involved as a volunteer or a friend of your local or regional talking book library. And a quick recap from last week's show of some of the resources Debbie gave us. So you mentioned about the number of volunteers that work around here and the Friends Society you have that support the library. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about what it takes to become a volunteer, how people can do that, and a little bit about the Friends Society. Sure. So if you are interested in volunteering, we have off of our webpage, there's a volunteer section, and you can click the links and follow to our volunteer software, which can give you a summary of the uh, positions that we have available, and you can put in an application that way. Uh, You can also just call the library. We have people working in uh, machine repair and in the studio and in post-production. We have people helping um, up front. So we have volunteer who calls new patrons to find out if they how they're doing and if they have any questions and help them uh, get adjusted. So we have all kinds of uh, jobs that need to be done. So uh, we also have a friends organization. So I call this our three-legged stool. We have the staff, we have our volunteers, and we have our friends organization that provides 23% of our budget, which is critical for us to be able to 
run programs and support um, programming at the library. And with those three pieces, we can deliver great customer service and great programs for our patrons that they really appreciate. And there's information about the Friends Society on your website? Yes, there's a link. If you go to our website, on the left-hand side, there's a navigation section. And so friends are there. The volunteer page you can get to from there. And it's readable through screen readers as well. So you'd be able to find it and um, get to that. And there's more information up there on that. So if people want to find out more about the services of the National Library Service or the Colorado Talking Book Library, CTVL, um, where would you send them? So for more information at the national level and NLS, that's pretty straightforward. You would go to loc.gov forward slash NLS. So that's the Library of Congress website. For Colorado Talking Book Library, you can go to our website, which is myctbl.org, so myctbl.org, or you could call. We have an 800 number, so it would be 1-800-685-2136. Again, that's 800-685-2136. Two one three six. Do you have a social media presence? We do have a Facebook page, and then the Twitter presence is at Friends of CTBL. And the Facebook page, you can either search for Friends of Colorado Talking Book Library, or you can go to www.facebook.com slash F-O-C-T-B-L dot org, which is the initials of Friends of Colorado Talking Book Library. Now, we know that not everybody caught all of that contact information, phone numbers, emails, websites, etc. So that's why we provide them in the show notes with each episode. So if you go to www.eyesonsuccess.net, you look for the show notes for this episode, you'll find all of that information. And I just want to reiterate that I certainly know from personal experience that NLS services and talking book services are really tremendous. I've been using them since I was a youth and enjoyed many books over many years. So I want to encourage people to sign up for this program. And remember, you don't have to be totally blind. You don't even have to be partially sighted. Many print difficulties can make you eligible to receive these services for free. So I encourage people to look into it, sign up, and check it out. That's it for show number 1750. Next week on Eyes on Success, we'll be talking about the pros and cons of getting a guide dog with Thomas Panic, who has a guide dog and is also president of Guiding Eyes for the Blind, one of the major organizations that provides guide dogs to people who need them. We'll hear about how guide dogs are trained and matched with owners, as well as a new way in which some guide dogs are being used guiding blind runners. If you have any questions regarding something you've heard about on the show or you'd like to share an idea for a future show, send an email to hosts at eyesonsuccess.net or call us at 585-210-8094. 
You've been listening to Eyes on Success, hosted and produced by Nancy Goodman Torpy and Peter Torpy and distributed by WXXI Reach Out Radio. Browse the full archive of programs, find instructions for subscribing to the podcasts, and much more at www.tiesonsuccess.net. You can also find us on iTunes, follow us on Facebook and on Audioboom.com, at Eyes on Success, or Twitter at underscore Eyes on Success. We hope you will join us again next week for more information and updates on products for accessible living. Thanks for listening to Eyes on Success and have a nice day.